This is a Federal News Network podcast. In the nearly seven years since the Homeland Security Department launched the signature initiative to raise all cybersecurity boats, it's focused mainly on the 24 CFO Act civilian agencies. Well, now it's the little guy's turn. In his weekly feature, The Reporter's Notebook, Executive Editor Jason Miller writes about how DHS will use its Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation Program, CDM, to address cybersecurity gaps in those 75 small and micro agencies. Jason joins me now with more. So, Jason, 75 small and micro agencies, who are we talking about and what's in it for them in this new CDM regime? We're talking about agencies from anyone from the Consumer Product Safety Commission to the Merit Systems Protection Board to the U.S. Institute of Peace and everybody in between. You know, when we're talking about these are very small agencies, some with, you know, five or seven people, others with with maybe a few hundred, but, but they're not considered that CFO Act size agencies. And they're getting a host of new cyber services under the Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation or CDM program. And really, Tom, so far, what we've seen from this is is, is a small uptick. But now what DHS and, and GSA, who are acting as the procurement arm for this, is is hoping is that these agencies find more value in these cyber services. And these, you know, there's a shared service platform and a catalog of products and services that they can pull from. Now, if you remember, CDM is, was broken down at one point into phases. Now, they've stopped talking about phases, but for, for ease of, of discussion, the initial version of the shared services platform focused on phases one and two, which was stuff like asset management and knowing what you have on your network, knowing who's on your network. Now they're really looking at network security management, data protection management, these next set of services. Now, we know that the large agencies have been involved with CDM now for quite a number of years. All this time, have the small ones not had anything? Have they been ignored by DHS? Have they been running naked? Definitely not been running naked, definitely not been ignored, but I think the focus was it was really closing the gaps among the agencies like the Agriculture Department or Interior or OPM, for instance. Remember that data breach, I'm sure. Oh, yes. And, and a lot of the small agencies had access to some of these uh, through this initial shared services platform, but they were not necessarily the uptick, the uptake was not very fast and it was not an aggressive uptake on DHS's part saying, come on, come, come, come. We can give you money. We can give you all these services. So I think that's why so far there's about 36 of these small micro agencies that use the shared services. And what DHS expects under this new contract, which was a $276 million task order with CGI Federal that they did, it was called Defend F, Task Order F. And what they're hoping for is a, a, a broader, more aggressive pickup and more services that, that these small micro agencies can choose from. Because the one thing that DHS and GSA has learned over the years about the Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation Program is it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all. Every agency has different risks, appetite, they have different needs, and they have different gaps. And then also each agency has different tools in place that they could use to meet the goals of CDM. So, okay, well, what don't you have in place and what can we give you? And I think that's where the shared services platform comes in, but also the cyber catalog. But the thing they do have in common is the implication or the assumption that they can and should use a shared service rather than, say, at the departmental large level where you would have the staff and expertise to run your own CDM program. That's absolutely right, because there's no way a lot of these small agencies, and when we talk about small, we are talking about micro agencies that have maybe an IT staff of two or three people, can really take into uh, and implement all of these really advanced cyber tools. And then also the volume, you get, you get, you get better discounts, you get better services, you get better uh, overall 
effectiveness of cybersecurity by going to the shared service platform. And then DHS also, there's a big benefit for DHS because they get all that data from all these small agencies that they push up to the government-wide dashboard that they can have a broader view of, of potential and real cyber threats. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. And this award, the CGI Task Order F that has been kicking off now, is this a busy time for DHS in general? And aren't they working on a lot of things like more CDM for the big agencies and the tick architecture? It is an incredibly busy time for, for DHS for many reasons. And I think you named the one thing, which was the new dashboard. They made a contract award uh, last fall for a, a new CDM dashboard that's going to go in, at the agency level and at the government-wide level. And I uh, recently was on a uh, webinar sponsored by the F Federal Computer Week, and they basically, the, the Julie uh, Boltzenberger, uh, basically said, we will get the initial operating capability of this new dashboard, or, or what they call the MVP, Minimal Viable Product, starting in the spring, and then we will get it rolled out to all of the government and, and all of the agencies by the fall time frame. So again, kick, kicks off, and, and this new dashboard will include things like uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities, but also uh, they're working on data requirements and make sure that they have clear data and business logic. They want to ensure more consistency across the dashboard. So while they're implementing and testing this new dashboard, they're also doing a whole lot of data governance, data management efforts, and all of this is going to lead to new capabilities and better understanding, better decision-making across all of the government. And while we have you, Jason, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of work by agencies to improve the way things work in their so-called back office functions. And this has been prompted by all of the telework and remote working that's going on. And you've been doing some reporting on exactly how they're adjusting all of this, because I think a lot of people think lots of remote workers are something that's here to stay. We just had a survey that showed how much people do enjoy the teleworking and how much progress, how much productivity they have. So what we're seeing now is that agencies are saying, okay, how do we adjust to, and we all hate the term, Tom, but quote unquote, the new normal, right? How are we going to continue to do a lot of the things we do, but from a remote perspective? And you know, ACT IAC, the, the 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 industry association and, and government organizations that you know coming together to to partner, they had this really interesting COVID nineteen town hall. They had GSA, IRS, SBA, and each person kind of brought a different perspective. And we've heard a lot about the Small Business Administration and the work they've done with the loan programs and shifting to all telework. But one of the things that I learned from this is, for instance, at the IRS, when they started to have people come back into the office and let's be clear it's not perfect they did not there's a there's a long way for them to go to really meet all the needs but they said okay we're having people come in we need to get them personal protection equipment and Harrison Smith who's the you know senior procurement executive at the IRS basically said we turned around a procurement in one day to make sure we could get it we found it we bought it we got it and so that was just a, sh a show of the agile and flexible nature that I think agencies are starting to better understand how they need to be Another example is over at the General Services Administration. Their deputy CIO, Beth Kaloran, spoke, and she said, we've actually hired during the last three pay periods 100 new federal employees all virtually. We got their accounts set up. We configured their devices. We shipped their devices to their house. They even took their virtual, uh, the oath of office virtually. And I think they basically that shows, hey, they don't just need to. We can't do anything until we see them, but they can you know, use Zoom or another video teleconferencing system, raise the right hand, say the oath of office for the federal employees, and, and move on and get, the, get started. And I think that those are just a couple examples of, of this agile, flexible nature that agencies 
today and I think going forward for quite a while will need to have and are realizing how important it is to be able to to change on a dime and, and continue to kind of get the mission done. I thought one of the most interesting takeaways from our survey, too, is that employees expect this to continue. At least half of them, I think, said that we don't think we're going to go back to everybody has to have their nose under the cubicles and the windows inside the building. But this telework phenomenon might really be here to stay. I think what's surprising people about teleworking is how much actually they can get done remotely. You know, we all know, oh, I don't like driving into work. I don't like the commute, right? That's an easy one. But one of the biggest things that that I took away from our survey, which was over a thousand people over a week's time, we got really great responses from from our readers and our listeners. And they basically said, wow, I'm really surprised how much I work I get done and how much I can do of that work remotely. And I, I would agree with you, Tom, that a lot of these agencies will really, once again, rethink what does it mean to telework? How much money can I save by not having all this office space? How much money can I save by not paying these transit benefits to you know every employee? And and you know that that's the silver lining in this crisis in many ways. Federal News Network's Jason Miller, thanks so much. My pleasure. Check out his notebook now online at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First. Always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffel Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.